The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. The Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister at Christ Universal Temple, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the midst of a series titled Prosperity's Ten Commandments, which is based upon a book of the same title, by Georgiana Tree West. It's considered a Unity Classic. It's a part of the Unity Classic Library, and I would highly recommend that you buy it. You can get the book on unity.org in the store, part of the store, and I'm sure you can get it on Amazon.com and other places as well. Uh, I think it's important that this book is purchased because I'm jumping you know, from paragraph to paragraph, sentence to sentence, but I'm not covering every line of every uh, paragraph. I'm not covering every sentence, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's important for us to make sure that we're doing our own inner research in the quiet time of our own soul, because I think it's really, really important that we recognize that if we want the transformation, we have to do the work. You know, you know, as I was telling someone uh, or selling some folks yesterday, it's not just the information. A teacher, a minister, a counselor, et cetera, can give you the information. But that want to and the discipline to actually follow through on the information is solely upon the user. It doesn't make a difference how good the information is. The only thing that really matters is. Are you willing to learn it and then do it? Obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, it's not about all of the things you might think it's about. It's about the consistent ability to take action on what you understand. Because knowledge is not power. As Napoleon Hill, I think, said, it might not have been Napoleon Hill, but I think it is. Applied knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. And until we get that applied knowledge is power, 
that we think might think, I'm not saying you do anything. I can only speak for myself and the experiences I've had with teaching people in person. And that experience basically tells me that sometimes folks believe, because I've believed, that having the information is enough. And it's only about the application. I use this example all the time. What does it take to lose weight? And almost everybody, if I ask that question in a class or during a sermon or seminar, everybody will say, diet and exercise. But then why aren't more people in shape? Because knowing that diet and a, and a proper diet and consistent exercise will give you the, the results you desire will not get you in shape. Only by practicing or, you know, actually living from the concept of, wow, I have to change how I eat and what I eat and how often I eat. And I need to get off the couch or and get start walking or start going to the gym or doing some yoga or doing going to the local kickboxing class so I can, you know, tie bowl type stuff or whatever, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. The issue is diet and exercise works. Or diet and exercise work. So just think about it from the standpoint of these books. Listen to the podcast. Yes, I want you to do that without a doubt. Get the books, read them, highlight them, write them, take notes, and then see how you can properly apply. And pay attention. Okay, I'm going to apply this one thing or two things now and get it good into your system and then go from there and then go from there and then go from there, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So the eighth commandment in the book is you shall not seek something for nothing. Again, you shall not seek something for nothing. And this is based upon the scripture from Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. That's really important because as we recognize that when we are seeking something for nothing, that's a form of stealing, then we can look at it differently. All right, because we're trying to get something that we have not developed the consciousness to receive. All right. So going to the book, page 101. Without getting into all the definitions of theft and steal, as we already know, let's get to the metaphysics. It says, what is the spirit of the law in you shall not steal? Emerson's, meaning Ralph Waldo Emerson, Emerson's essays compensation affords several excellent answers to this question. In the last analysis, stealing is the endeavor to get something for nothing. Under the law of compensation, this is impossible. Life, functioning under this law of mind, demands that we pay for what we get. And it, corresponded, it is correspondingly true that we get what we pay for. Emerson says, in labor as in life, there can be no cheating. The thief steals from himself. The swindler swindles himself. So what Emerson was trying to say is when you plant seeds of discord, et cetera, et cetera, then 
then sooner or later it starts to come back. Now, there are people who teach this at a much, much higher level. And when I mean higher, I don't mean better. I just mean deeper, more of a drill down where, you know, they get into, you know, people like in, in Eastern cultures, Buddhism, Hinduism, karma, people who believe in, in you know, you know, multiple human incarnations, things of that nature, working things out from past lives, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not dealing with it from that level today. That doesn't mean that I can't. That's not where I'm going today. I want to just kind of focus on what we're doing with the life that we understand we have now. And if you want to do the drill down on that information, maybe that could be a show for another day because there's so many variables that go into teaching that type of philosophy. Anyway, uh, and then I'll have to do my homework. All right. So, again, in labor, Emerson said, as in life, there can be no cheating. The thief steals from himself. The swindler swindles himself. So one of the things that happen often is we don't recognize that something is always happening in life. Catherine Ponder calls it radiation and attraction. What you radiate, meaning the energy you put out, matches corresponding energy and brings that back to you as people and experiences. Again, the energy that you send out meets corresponding energy. And what do I mean by energy? To think, uh, to think is to emit mental energy. To think a thought is a mental impulse or vibration. So as you're thinking, you're actually creating a mental atmosphere. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and you said something like, man, I could cut the tension. The, ten the tension was so thick, I could cut it with a knife or something along those lines. Or you feel the pressure or the stress or the frustration. Or on the flip side, you walk into a house, you walk into a business you walk into an establishment or a church, hopefully, or a synagogue or a mosque or, you know, et cetera, and you feel the love, you feel the presence of spirit, you feel compassion, you feel understanding. Why? Because that is the dominant mental atmosphere or energetic projection of the people who occupy that space. Sometimes even while they're not there, their consciousness is there. It's sort of like walking into the home of someone who made that transition. I remember when uh, when my uh, grandmother, Barbara McDowell, made her transition. She was rather young when she made her transition, uh, 58 or something like that. So I, was, so I remember walking past her room, you know, I was over there to visit my grandfather and I walked past that bedroom and I just felt her energy. You know, it was like, mm, like her energy is still strong, not in, just in the house, but in her bedroom, because her bedroom was really large. So they had a part where there was like a bedroom area and then they had like a, a hangout area in their bedroom with the big TV. That's that was, you know, remember those big gigantic TVs that used to be on the floor you could put everything on top of the TV and, you know, and my grandfather had this, you know, retractable love seat type thing. And they had almost like a, a another little couch thing. It was a very, very big room. So we all hung out in our grandparents' bedroom, all of the grandkids. So 
energetically I felt it. It was just different. Like, man, the consciousness is really strong because her mental energy, her thought atmosphere was in that space for so long that it was just there. So when you walk into a place, many times you can feel it. Well, you are emitting that type of energy all the time yourself. And as you open your mouth, as you think, as you feel, as you take actions, you're, you are emitting, you're radiating energy and you're attracting. And as you are radiating, you are sowing seeds into life. You're sowing seeds into life. You know, so it does make a difference. Um, you know, so I, I do want to make sure that we are, you know, aware of it. Now, I would recommend if you have never read it to get the the essay compensation by Ralph Waldo Emerson because it makes a difference. I think this it, it is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Okay. Now, getting back to the book. Page 102. It says Under the law of compensation, there is no such thing as getting something for nothing. We must give full measure uh, for all that we receive at some time. Every day is a day of judgment in which the balance between giving and receiving is struck. Okay, let's drill down on that for a moment. Under the law of compensation, one of the things that... I was teaching one of my classes last night was uh, the law of sacrifice. And the, the point of it was that there's always a sacrifice of something for something else. For instance, as I was talking about diet and exercise, okay, I, I can't eat banana pudding all day and not exercise. Uh, and I think it was important for us to recognize that well, for me to recognize that I, if I wanted to be in shape, I can't eat banana pudding all day and not exercise. There's a sacrifice that has to be made. And if I want prosperity, I have to put down some things and manage my time in a certain kind of way, sacrifice a few things so I can have the benefit of demonstrating prosperity. If I want to increase my knowledge base, then I have to put my phone down, get off of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube and pick up the book or listen to the material. If I'm going to use my phone, listen to it or use it as an educational tool. My point is, in compensation and sacrifice, you're always planting seeds for something. What are you planting the seeds of and for? That's why they said we must give full measure for all that we receive at some time. So even when we think we're cutting the corner, we're not. We're not. That's what's funny about life is people cut corners and then they find out that they're actually going to have to do the work. I might not have to do the work at the time I cut the corners, but life is going to require or demand that the work gets done. 
you know, I tell people this all the time when folks work so hard that they never give their bodies an opportunity to rest. They just go, 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 go. And I tell them, either you're going to rest now or your body might require you to rest in the hospital bed. But it's going to slow down. So either you can build it in and stay efficient or let it break down and then use all of your energy to get it back to, to where it needs to be. Compensation. Sacrifice. At the same time, as you put in the work to develop your skills, your pros- uh, to develop more prosperity, to develop your communication so you can communicate with loved ones and in business and success in better ways, as you do the work to develop your spiritual understanding, you're praying, you're meditating, you're studying scriptures or whatever you believe your scriptures to be, uh, you're studying the materials that you think can help you, you're listening, that you're watching video, you're doing the work. There's also compensation for those type of things as well. So sometimes when people teach the compensation, they only teach it from the negative end. Well, I'm saying that if you put the work in, and you're intentional about the results you seek to desire, I mean, you desire, then you can get the results you desire. I used to say something to Reverend Coleman years ago. And it's kind of funny now as I look back on it 20 plus years now. When I said this statement, it was probably around 97, 98. I told Reverend Coleman, and I said, you know, you might have people on your team that might be better than me, but they won't outstudy me. I never forget telling her that. So you might have people who are better than me, but they won't outstudy me. And she just looked at me. Because what does it mean to tell somebody? At that level of success, nobody on your team is going to outstudy me. And I'm the new person, the new, new person. I just finished the teacher counselor training for the Universal Foundation for Better Living in 1996. I'm beyond new. I'm in my mid-20s when I told her that statement. Because I believe that the work would show up, my, the level of study, the level of preparation would show up as opportunity, and it did. Now, what if you took on the mindset of, yeah, it might be some people where I might, that might have more natural talent than me, but they're not going to outwork me. They're not going to be more prepared than me. Because I understand the law of compensation that I will get what I'm supposed to get by right of consciousness if I do the work. So it wasn't that long after that when I was on the platform preaching in 2000. And by the time I did my, I did three sermons, I did July, August, September of 2000. Those were my first three sermons. I wasn't a minister. I wasn't in the ministerial program. But the work had paid off. And on the third that third sermon, she said to me, she didn't say to me, she said to the congregation, after when she came up to do the benediction and take the offering and all of all of those things, she said, 
Galen reads everything. He reads everything. If I know, if I need, now listen, if I need to know what I what, what I need to read, out, I ask him. Now, this person who at the time was the most, without a doubt, the most successful New Thought minister on the planet. So this young 20-something-year-old guy, when I want something to read, I, I, I check him out and find out what he's reading. Because she was going to come and, you know, uh, and this is, you know, like I wasn't even working at the church at the time. I didn't work at the church until the next year. But I knew that I was in at that point. I was like, mm. And I'm going to tell you what I actually thought because I'm a, because I grew up playing basketball. I said, she respects my game. Because when you're a basketball player, and I, I didn't play for teams, but I'm talking about at the park. You know, you know, African-American park experience. What you want people to do is respect your game. You don't want people to be dismissive of your game. Do people respect your game? Because what they'll see is the law of compensation in work. Yeah, you might be better than me, but you're not going to outwork me. You know, to, to the the prime example that I use for you might be better than me, but you're not going to outwork me is Dennis Rodman. He used to play for the Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons and other teams. He was undersized for the power four position in the NBA. He wasn't very talented offensively. You know, he couldn't shoot free throws. He had almost no offensive range outside of dunks and layups. But he played hard. He played so hard that he wanted every rebound. He wanted to defend every play. He wanted to block every shot. He wanted to get every steal. He dived out of bounds. A person off of pure hustle is in the NBA Hall of Fame, not because of talent alone. He was athletic. But it's a lot of athletic people in the NBA and there's a lot of athletic players who didn't make the NBA. It was his heart. It was his hustle. It was his willingness to play all out and put it all on the line. Law of compensation. He wasn't seeking to get something for nothing. All right, now let's get back to prosperity. But I'm just trying to help you get an idea of what I mean when I say that there's no getting something for nothing. Be prepared. Be prepared. For what it is, you say you desire. Because the author says every day is a day of judgment in which the balance between giving and receiving is struck. Every day is judgment day. Every day I am getting what I have sown in consciousness. Back to the book. Page 103 says, the answer is that wealth is the manifestation of the state of mind. Another way of saying this is prosperity is a state of mind and poverty is a state of mind. It's a state of mind. The way you think, the way I think, the way we think is the primary, not the solely, but the primary factor 
and prosperity. And why do I say not own? Because you could inherit wealth from family members, etc. You know, it's it's you know there are ways that people get money. However, many times when people don't have the mindset to maintain, even when it's given to them, if they don't have the proper consciousness, they'll lose it all. They'll spend it all. They'll waste it. This is why games of chance, like the lottery, many times have people who blow, uh, who lose all their money or spend all their money. And you look up seven, eight years later. Matter of fact, there's statistics. You can look this up. The amount of of the percentage of lottery users who actually lose all of their money, lose it within who, you know, they cash out. I got $80 million cash out. And you check back a decade later and almost all of it, if not all of it, is gone. All of it. Because they're taking care of every cousin to the third generation, every person that shows up with a business idea and wants to start a radio studio, they're spending it on trips and furs and diamonds and this, that, and other. I'm not saying you can't have all the good stuff you can, but what they don't have is a budget. What they don't have is a financial plan. What they don't do is get a financial advisor. What they don't do is get a lawyer to protect all their money. What they don't do is 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 understand that having wealth is a mindset, and that don't mean by everybody you know a BMW. Prosperity is a state of mind. Back to the book. It goes down to uh, uh, on page 103 where it says, since nothing is ever lost, such persons, meaning people who believe that they haven't benefited from doing right, uh, will reap the benefits of every effort they make when they have freed their minds from the poverty complex. So one of the things that she's trying to say very covertly in this paragraph is when you have been sowing and reaping good, but you have a consciousness of poverty, your limited or our limited mindsets sometimes can be the reason why we're obstructing the flow of prosperity into our lives. It's sort of like uh, a clogged pipe. We have to remove the obstruction, which for us is the limited beliefs, the unforgiveness, the drama and traumas and emotions and the stories and interpretations we make up about life. We have to allow that stuff to clear out, clean out, get out so prosperity can flow. And then we'll discover that we've been doing a lot of right things, but the mindset didn't allow it to properly flow in our lives. Because the dominant state of mind, which is that poverty consciousness, is creating through the law of compensation the obstructions that are interfering with our lives. Now, I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like it's almost time for our break. So, you know, we're going to drill down more into this chapter and really kind of get into some of the extra points. But the point that I really want you to get a understand before you leave today is you shall not seek something for nothing keep that in mind because that's what really counts don't seek something for nothing stop trying to get over and do the right thing all the time we'll be right back with truth transforms Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get into our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Have you ever performed a random act of kindness? In a beautiful new book called Write It On Your Heart, Unity employees make suggestions for random acts they've tried or received themselves. The book includes 40 ways to express kindness or compassion and has room to journal about your experiences. It's the perfect gift, and you'll want one for yourself, too. Look for Write It On Your Heart at unity.org shop. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Discover how to connect with our loved ones on the other side with Suzanne Giesman and Messages of Hope. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central as Suzanne shares evidence that love never dies. In evidential medium, spiritual teacher, and author, Suzanne brings hope and healing through her gift of communication with those who have passed. Suzanne brings messages of hope and love that go straight to the heart. Tune in this Thursday right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're in the midst again of a series, Prosperity's Ten Commandments, which is based upon the book of the same title by Georgiana Tree West. Before we get back into the book, let me just give my quick few plugs. Uh, Truth Transforms, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. Again, remember, you, you shall not seek something for nothing. 
uh, go to unityonlineradio.org or the shortcut unity.fm and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry so it can continue to support you and spread this message all over the world. Also be reminded that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, that you write a positive review and give it a five-star rating. And you know, and then, you know, spread the things that I post, et cetera, so people can get an idea of what we're doing here. It helps with the algorithms. The show is also on iTunes Podcast and Stitcher Podcast. Stitcher is an Android app for podcasts. So iTunes Podcast and Stitcher if you have an Android device. And again, give it a five-star rating, write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms because I know that a lot of people listen to this show on the podcast and not necessarily live. So I want to make sure that we give ourselves the best opportunity to win. Also, I've been stating that, you know, I got some things coming down the pike. Looks like that's going to start in the new year in January. But I do want to let you know, because I said that I have some new things that I'm going to be doing to be able to interact with the listeners and others in a more detailed way, but I want to make sure it can be in integrity with my time because obviously I have a heck of a schedule already, uh, but it's time to expand and do some new things and et cetera. And I want to make sure that those who are listening who want a little bit more drilled down in detail will have the opportunity to have it. Um, It won't be free. So let me just put that out there right now, but it will be worth it because again, you shall not seek something for nothing. So be on the lookout in the new year for some announcements around uh, some uh, 2019 Galen McDowell agenda items. All right. Back to the book. All right. We're going to turn to page 104. All right. Bottom of the page, it says the law of karma or cause and effect is always transcended by the law of grace. Always remember that the law of grace is the action of spirit or the free gift of God saving power responding to the call of faith. Now, let me just stop here for a moment because it seems as though they contradict each other, but they really don't. You know, this is one of the conversations that always happens. Law or grace is it based upon the works is it based upon God's gift. Emmett Fox wrote that that. Christ is Lord over karma. And from a metaphysical standpoint, all that means is when you have a conscious realization of who you are spiritually, that realization supersedes what you've done in the past through sowing and reaping. But that doesn't mean that the sowing and reaping is not in effect anymore. What I like to consider is something like gravity and the law of aerodynamics. Just because we see planes flying does not mean that gravity still is in effect. But the understanding and the application of the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity to allow people to experience flight. All right. Now, if the structure is strong enough and they have the manpower to do it, you can keep a a plane in the air for a very long time. They have planes now where you can literally fuel them in the air. So there's ways to do things. My point is. Yes, the spirit overrides and override a lifetime of mistakes. Yes, 
Absolutely. But also realize that with, with that consciousness has to be maintained. All right. So if a person says, okay, well, I'm living under grace. Got it. Okay, living under grace does not mean that you get to go do other silliness and not, and automatically think that that's covered and wiped out. No. No. Because the law is still in effect. The law is still in effect. The law is still in effect. You shall not seek something for nothing. Now, let's deal with this with money for a, for a moment because this is prosperity's Ten Commandments. I want to make sure that we don't get too far off track. I try to use analogies that everybody can understand. People are seeking something for nothing when they go to work and they try to do the least amount of work as possible and still get paid for the wage that they agreed to do the work for during the time frame that they're at the business. So in other words, if you agree that I'm going to give this type of effort, I'm going to bring my skills to bring this type of effort to produce these type of results in this time frame, when you don't do it, you're stealing. When you when you're taking long lunches and long breaks and wasting time and you're you know on your phone and you're on your social media and you're not doing your work and you're making excuses that's stealing because you're stealing the money that's supposed to be the compensation for the time skill and labor you should not seek something for nothing there are people who are seeking business deals where it's win-lose instead of win-win where you know where you know there are folks who want to live off of other people financially but you shall not seek something for nothing you know you know there are people and i'm saying this lovingly who will come over and you think that they just need a little bit of help and, and you let them sleep on your couch and then they don't leave. You look up at six, seven months later, they're not working, they're not moving towards changing their lives or doing anything. You're like, hey, what's going on here? In other words, it's okay to be a helper to somebody, but a resting post is a different conversation. You know, be careful about being somebody's rest stop. Because they don't want to do the work that it takes to produce the life that they desire. I'm not talking about that people don't get ill, people don't have breakdowns, people don't need family to help them, etc. But you should not seek something for nothing. Nobody has a right to, to live off of your demonstration. They need to get their own. You know... You know, if every time you see somebody and their hand is out, you might want to reconsider that relationship you should not seek something for nothing when it comes to your money be careful that you're not playing yourself by seeking something for nothing it's amazing how often people treat things that are free with almost no care or concern but when they earn the money and then they have to pay for something, it's a different conversation. You shall not seek something for nothing. Sometimes, you know, I 
I, I might as well step all the way in it. So I'm just going to say it. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. I say, you know, if a person goes to a movie theater and they get, you know, they they, they pay for, say a, a couple goes to a movie theater. They pay for tickets, $15 for the tickets at night. Uh, to go to the movie, 13, 14, 15, depending on what city you live in. It could be as low as 10, but if you're in a big city like Chicago and on a Friday night, you're paying about $14 or so, 15 just for the ticket to get in. Popcorn, pop, some Twizzlers or some nachos or whatever. Two people you can look up and you spent $75 just at the show buying snacks and tickets. $30 just to get in. You can spend another $30, just say $30, $60 just for two people. Now, to say that same family has children, two children. You can go to the movie theater and end up spending $80 just for the four people. You go to Starbucks, you get your coffee, your latte or whatever, tall whatever, tall cup or whatever, and it's 5 or $6 every time you go. And some people go every day. So in the course of uh, a week, $25 a week, $100 or more a month, no problem. They go to restaurants, whether it's fast food or whatever, and they spend the money to do what they need to do, no problem. They go to concerts, uh, XYZ, Beyonce or whoever, singer, $250 tickets per person, no problem. I'm showing up, I'm getting more than one ticket, and we're going to be fly. Great. Then you go to church. You get life-changing, transformational information. You get prayer. You get music. You get climate control. Most of the time, you're in a a loving, supportive environment in ways that no other place in the world supports you. You have the opportunity for classes. You have the opportunity for spiritual counseling from ministers, etc. As I've jokingly told somebody recently, you know, people who spend all the money at the casino, it's amazing that nobody calls the blackjack dealer when it comes time for to bury a loved one or to visit somebody ask when they're ill in the hospital and need somebody to visit. I don't know anybody that's calling the blackjack dealer or the or the poker dealer or the person who keep make sure that the machines are working right when you press the button to see if you can get all sevens. But then those people will sit in church week after week and put no money in or put a couple of dollars in. Don't have a problem giving it to the movie theater, to the casino, to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, wherever you get your coffee from, the local McDonald's all the way up to the fanciest steak or or seafood restaurant. But in church, it's I seek something for nothing. We'll show up, not give back, not volunteer, not give any service, etc. Take, 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 not give. And then wonder why life is out of balance. 
because the balance of give and take is off. If we put more value in coffee than we do in our spiritual development, that speaks volumes. You shall not seek something for nothing. But people do it all the time. Well, well, you know, the people are selling God and they're selling the gospel and they're whatever. All those statements are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Because it presumes that a person who is highly skilled in what they do should not be compensated. But we don't have a problem with 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 athletes being compensated. You don't have a problem with you being compensated for being good for what you do. We don't have a problem with teachers being compensated. We don't have a problem with anybody else being compensated for being good at what they do. And the better you are, the more you're able to build, lead, guide, and do what you do, like any other field, the better your compensation. If you produce the results, then why shouldn't you be compensated for the results you produce? If you know, uh, you know, I, I think about Reverend Coleman starting a ministry with eight people around her dinner table. Four years after she was given six months to live by medical science, discovered these new thought principles that unity started her own ministry four years later with eight people, grew a ministry to the point that she had over 3,000 people showing up every Sunday at the old building, four services a week. When I showed up at this ministry, it was 1,000 people in class every week, not in service, in various classes. But then you say, well, why, why does she have a nice car? Why does she live in a nice house? Why does she have to dress so nice and fancy? Why not? She built, she built that with the help of the car core team to the place that where they could deliver the results that made people show up. But we get in our feelings when it comes to God and spirituality, and it's out of balance. Don't seek something for nothing. Don't seek something for nothing. This is even taught biblically. Um, when Jesus talk, talked about the widow's might, that even though that lady had so little, she gave. Because that little that she had meant more than, than what other people were giving because it was so much more of a higher percentage of what she actually had in life financially. Scripturally, in Scripture in the Old Testament, people would bring the offerings to, 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 to the temple or to the prophets and things of that nature. And I'm not saying I'm seeking that for myself. This is not about Galen McDowell. This came up, so I'm just going with it. I'm rolling with it. In, in the church world, we see people seeking something for nothing almost more than in any, any area I've ever seen. The only other area that I've seen people seeking something for nothing is when they want their children to automatically learn in the school system and they don't support the teachers. They don't make the kids do the homework. They don't make, you know, they don't show up for the uh, teacher meetings and the report card pickups, et cetera. And I can honestly say as a as a dad who even post divorce showed up for every teacher report card day, everyone, no matter what. 
And I rarely saw guys there. I would see guys show up for the basketball games and the football games and the things of that nature, but report card day, I would never see them. We seek something for nothing. When we get our reward. Because the law of compensation says we have to get our reward. So ask yourself today, is there any area in my life where I'm seeking to get something for nothing? I'm not putting in anything, but I expect or oh, I'm putting in little and I'm expecting a lot out of it, uh, out of the little I'm putting in, whether that's in a relationship, intimate or family or friend, whether that's at your job or your business, if that's with your money, if that's where you volunteer, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to, uh, yeah, I'm volunteering, but I'm going to do as little as possible. Do it with your whole heart, with integrity. If you're a member of a church, don't treat your church like a country club. If you believe in what the minister or the rabbi or the aman or the guru is doing, support them with your whole heart and find out how you can get in and support them and be all in. Don't seek something for nothing just to show up as a consumer. Churches don't need consumers. They need workers to help spread the message. People are going to show up and give back so other people can get the benefit of what they received. All right, back to the book. Oh, my tangents. All right. Page 107. It says, Jesus emphasized the necessity of giving either before or after receiving when he said, give and it will be given to you, Luke 6.38. And freely ye have received, freely give, Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Obedience to these instructions of Jesus's of Jesus constitutes obedience to prosperity's eighth commandment and will keep us out of debt. If we run up bills by taking and using that for which we do not or cannot pay, we are violating this commandment as definitely as does the pickpocket, the confidence man or the burglar. In other words, if we have what we're supposed to have to take care of what we're supposed to take care of, and then we don't take care of our responsibilities after we've run up the debt, then that's theft. When you don't want to pay your cell phone bill after you've used the service, that's theft. It make a difference what it is. You've used the service, you've agreed to it, then you don't want to pay it. That's theft. You want to, you know... Living in the apartment and not pay the rent. That's theft. Yeah. You made it you make a deal that you and another or other individuals were gonna be financially responsible to take care of a particular thing and you don't do it. That's theft. 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 There's no other way to say it. Theft. Stop stealing. Because the moment you say, I'm going to do something, and then you don't do it, and other people are relying on it, and you aren't in communication about where the breakdown is and why, you hear what I'm saying? Because life can happen. But if there are breakdowns, you need to be in integrity of the breakdown and how you're going to fix it or rectify it. Yes, I, was, I thought this money was going to be here. Uh, I wasn't paid when I was supposed to be paid. 
Uh, I'm in communication. I'll call you back tomorrow once I get an answer from this person so I can make sure that I can take care of you. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't don't steal. Because what you try to hide and keep in the dark will be revealed in the light. This is the part of prosperity that sometimes uh, people don't see. You know, uh, without getting political, we're seeing this now with some of these investigations that are happening in the government where, you know, Russia, this and all this type of stuff. What's really happening is the things around money are being exposed because people are seeking to get something for nothing. Well, I'm in this position now. Uh, I'm going to leverage this for money. No. You should not seek something for nothing. What's done in the dark comes out in the light. Sooner or later, you got to deal with it all the time. All right. So let's get back to the book. It says, we may claim as much as we are capable of accepting of God's bountiful supply. I'm going to read that again. We may claim as much as we are capable of accepting of God's bountiful supply. What determines your capability? Your understanding. Your faith in it. Your ability to see it. Your ability to accept it with accept it with your feeling nature. Your mental equivalent, which is your clarity of thinking and your feeling of conviction. In other words, how well can you see it and feel it? Since this transaction in mind, this is a transaction in mind, and we must proceed to substantiate our, our claims in the realm of form. This is demonstration. For instance, if we desire a new car and we have faith that it is the Father's good will that we have it, we must show our faith by our works. That is, we must demonstrate either the money to pay for it or the ability to earn the money. In other words, we have no right to take something in the realm of form when we only have our undemonstrated faith to pay for it in the realm of mind. We must give for value received in such a way that one from whom we received is satisfied. In other words, as as Reverend Coleman used to say, you can't go to Carson Peary Scott with an affirmation and buy a dress. If, if you believe that this is the yours by right of consciousness, then you will demonstrate the ability to produce it. Period. You will draw unto you the ideas, the opportunities, the experiences, the people, etc. that will help you through whatever chain of events need to happen for you to produce the prosperity that you say is yours by right of consciousness. It's the way it works. And when you try to manipulate it, the situation, you are seeking something for nothing. Just think about it. Are there, are there any areas in your life today where you're seeking to get something for nothing, where you're putting no nothing in or putting very little in, and you're expecting magnificent results out of them? That's seeking something. For nothing. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. I can remember 
uh, as I close, uh, years ago, I was working out with doing some Kung Fu with some folks and uh, a guy came and worked out with us. And even though he has some decent rank, uh, black belt, etc., he just didn't have the skill set. He just didn't. And I remember talking the next day with uh, one of my buddies who's an Aikido black belt. And he said to me, oh, I know that school. They give the belts away almost. You know, and, you know, it's like those, he said, everybody that comes out of that school, we call those McDojos, by the way, in martial arts, like McDonald's McDojo. He's basically telling me that everybody that comes out of that school have belts and no skill. So they have the the black belt, but no art. They were seeking something for nothing. So go to this place that'll just pass me for doing very little, and then I show up with a black belt. But but if you're studying martial arts, the idea is to be able to demonstrate the art. And if you can't, then why are you studying it? So don't seek something for nothing. Get what you need to get. Do what you need to do to make it work. Next week, we're going to study the ninth commandment, which is you shall not bear false witness against the source of your wealth. God bless. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.